You are listening to Parenting Our Future. I'm certified parent coach Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in your parenting so you can create the strong connections with your kids and get all the cooperation you want. For more information on my book and other resources, check out www.yellingcurebook.com. For many of us, the holidays will look different this year. Many friend and family reunions will not be the same, but that shouldn't stop us from feeling close. Why not give your loved ones the most meaningful gift this year? A chance to tell their story and share their memories using StoryWorth. StoryWorth is a brand new online service that helps your loved ones share stories through thought-provoking questions about their memories and their personal thoughts. It's a fun way to engage with family, especially those you can't see in person. All these thoughts and stories are converted into a beautiful keepsake book for you to cherish and hand down. I love what this company is all about and I'll be doing it with my family and I invite you to do it with yours. Go to storyworth.com slash POF for $10 off your purchase. Hey everyone, it's Robin here. How are you? Welcome to Parenting Our Future. I have a guest on today that I think is going to really help you. His name is Jason Brick and he is the founder of The Safest Family on the Block. This is going to be so good for everybody because there are areas that we are vulnerable and things that that in our lives that come up and we may not really know how to fix them cyber issues and hacking and different things like that jason is going to tell us how to keep ourselves and our family safe now a little bit about jason he's a journalist he's also a six degree black belt so you don't want to mess with him he's also a father of two two boys uh, now, his work has appeared in Black Belt Magazine, uh, Healthline.com, and over 100 other print and online publications. And he lives in Oregon right now with his wife and his two sons. Like I said, he's got a 20-year-old and a 10-year-old. And I am just really happy to have you here. Thank you for being here. And thank you for having this conversation about keeping us safe. So important. Well, thank you so much, Robin, for having us on. This is great. Now, this is definitely a different topic than I normally talk about. So I'm really excited to ask you all of the questions. But first and foremost, why are you doing this? What is this work about for you? So it cast back your minds to the, um, <laughs> to the mid-2000s when I had my first child. At that point, I was a fourth degree black belt. I'd had experience as a bodyguard in security and bouncing. I had traveled the world, including some very sketchy areas. I thought I knew about staying safe. And mm. then as I started to see the situations I got into with this helpless person for whom I was responsible, mm -hmm. I realized that a lot of the training I got would keep me safe, but wouldn't necessarily keep my child safe. My oldest child actually joined our family when he was seven years old. And one of the things I noticed was that at that time, I knew 15, 12 different ways to take a gun away from an attacker. Okay. Almost all of which would have pointed the barrel of that gun at about the height of my seven-year-old's head if he was standing next to me in a natural position. Right. And so that there got me thinking and looking more and more deeply into self-defense from the perspective of a parent. Okay. And then many years later, I've started this podcast, this interview series where I talk to experts in fields from close protection and bodyguard work to paramedics suicide counselors, cybersecurity experts, like you mentioned, 
anybody I can talk to who has information about family safety, about child safety. And then I interview them through the lens of my own experience in security and as a parent. Right. That's really mm -hmm. huge. I've got to be honest, I never even thought about that. You know, um, I don't want to brag, but I have an orange belt in karate. Um, Outstanding. I know, right? And I, I'm, I'm useless. I'm still useless. <laughs> orange is one step up from white, if anybody else is listening, which is where everybody begins. But anyway, uh, I have a little bit. And uh, yeah, it, I feel secure knowing that I could probably protect myself. But you're absolutely right. What would I do? with my child and we actually if you think about it brain wise we would go right into fight or flight and that is you know survival fear and uh, and that's not always the best place to be in when you're trying to um defend yourself or your kids and 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 the thing that you're saying here too is that this isn't just about being physically strong right because some of the things that we need to be safe from are not physical at all they're virtual right mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me what exactly you are covering in terms of what you're keeping families safe from. Honestly, everything I can find, everything I can think of, and everything that, uh, that is brought to my attention by people who get involved with the project with me. Yeah. One of the things that I noticed when I started looking for information about keeping my family safe was that the programs out there were either a police officer talking to you about the tactical aspects, crime prevention, or a PSA from a fire department. Yeah. or a family counselor giving, talking to you about communication. But they were all not only separate, so you had to find them individually, but there wasn't any kind of cohesion. There wasn't anybody looking at the commonalities between them. Right. And so they say that you should write the book that you wish you could read. And it seemed like nobody had gotten all of this information together. Yeah. And so I figured maybe it was my job to do that. That's very true, right? Because the fire department is going to talk about fire safety, right? And put those batteries yeah. in your smoke detectors and, and, and all that stuff, right? And then police are talking about a different thing. So your whole point is to bring it all together to be a one-stop shop. And you are right now curating all of that information by interviewing experts, by sharing your own insight and stories, and, uh, and really diving into all of these topics. And for those of you that want to follow Jason, you know, and there's a topic you want to address that maybe he hasn't addressed. You're saying, look, tell me uh, and, and, and let me find an expert and, and I'll talk about it, right? Exactly. And not just collating and bringing it together in a cohesive whole, but I'm finding patterns between the disciplines that are important. One of the ones that really leapt out at me in the first few interviews is, as a security person, I knew for a long time that behavior isn't as important as changes in behavior. Oh. If you're in a noisy bar, that's not necessarily a dangerous place. If you're in a quiet bar, that's not necessarily a dangerous place. If the noisy bar gets quiet, it's time to pay really close attention. I think that's something that a lot of us intuitively understand. Right. But Usually, right? Yeah. But I had a conversation with a suicide counselor who told me the same thing about your teenager's behaviors. That your kid could be walking, wandering around, listening to death metal, wearing all black, that's not necessarily a sign, but when they stop going to concerts and stop deriving joy from their music, that change in behavior. And then I later interviewed a person who had worked with some special forces teams about situational awareness. And he again talked about, you're looking for changes in behavior. So this through line of being alert for change, the change is one of the first things that'll tell you, hey, mom, hey, dad, time to start focusing and making a plan. 
uh, pay attention. was true across all of these things. And that was something that I learned in, in those first few interviews. It was, and I think I'm going to find more and more of those things as this project goes on. Yeah, I think, I think that's really fascinating. And of course, you know, I think that there's, there's certain um, times when, you know, that change is hidden. I mean, as a parent, you know how confusing it is, how, oh, yeah. it is, how easy it is to miss that stuff, right? Um, mm -hmm. Also speaks to having a good relationship with your kids. Yeah. You know, that's, the, that's the angle I come from, right? Is parenting and, um, and that sort of thing and, and, and having that connection with your kids and, and a, a line of communication with your kids too, you know, so that you can pick up on that stuff too. But, but again, sometimes kids are pretty sneaky, right? And mm -hmm. yeah. could be really good at that. So um, what are some of the biggest issues uh, that you, that you are, are addressing right now? Like what are the biggest issues out there? So one of the biggest issues out there for parents is what I call improper prioritization of risk. And I'm improper prior, sorry, one more time. Improper prioritization of risk. Okay. Uh, the classic example is uh, people being afraid of bitten by a shark at the beach while driving to the beach without their seatbelt on. <laughs> right. That because of the way, you know, because of the way the media, <laughs> but because of, the fact that the really big, really scary home invasion type problems grab a lot of press, a lot of parents have been misinformed about what is the most important thing to pay attention to when they're keeping their families safe. Mm -hmm. One of the classic examples is in, a, you know, in, this, in the United States, a lot of families have firearms and a lot, there's a lot of care taken about those firearms. Right. But in that same home, you've got a swimming pool that doesn't even have a defense around it. Right, right. Yeah. And parents uh, sometimes get really concerned about the music their kids are listening to, but less concerned about who they're chatting with on Instagram. Okay. And so we have, a, we put too much emphasis on some dangers, especially things like assault. If you're a middle-class, middle-aged person living in the suburbs, you don't need to turn your home into a fortress but you should make sure your fire extinguisher is fully charged and that you've actually practiced using it on a fire. Little things like that. Huh. Yeah. Um, okay. Note to self. <laughs> um, one really good plan for that, that I came across that my house uses now is you buy the cheap $20 fire extinguisher from home Depot okay. that stays good for about a year mm -hmm. as opposed to the hundred dollar one that you go get a professional to recharge. And then every year when the new ones come in, you use the old one to put out a campfire you build in your backyard. Ah, oh, gotcha. Okay. And so your kid, and even young kids, you know, you put on the safety goggles and everything, but you have them practice pulling the pin, aiming it, sweep. And that way, every member of your family has used a fire extinguisher to put out a fire once a year. And we do it just before 4th of July, because so, that's when fires happen. And it's just a little thing you can build into the habits and the rhythm oh. of your home. Yeah, I like to, that. Yeah. But anyway, that's one way you could get the get the fire social practice. That's really that's a really great idea. That's a really really great idea. Thank you for that. That's great. Okay, uh, and I and, and I got it. I gotta say, I think your kids are gonna think it's fun too, right? To be yes. <laughs> I can just see my kids loving that idea. Okay, um, what are some of the other big issues? So the other one is I don't think that a lot of parents are aware how proactive and how smart the bad guys are. How smart that, the bad guys are. Okay. Yeah that they're informed, they're professional. Mm. You know, you ha we have the image of the 
you know, the drug addict who kicks in the door when nobody is home and grabs a, grabs the nearest laptop. And those risks exist. But most of the time, those people will be scared off or held off by very simple things where the real bad guys, your sex traffickers, your cyber criminals of some stripes, the gangs in the area, in a lot of areas, those people are seasoned, intelligent professionals at what they do. And protecting your family from them is a different ball game than I think a lot of people are taught. Yeah. Well, um, and, and you were talking just about cyber criminals. Um, mm-hmm. you, know, you and I were talking beforehand, social engineering. Uh, what yeah. about those things as well? I, I, I want to get back to sex mm-hmm. trafficking actually too, because I think mm-hmm. that's just, just saying that, um, I'm glad you brought it up, but I think it scares everybody. So let's talk oh, about yeah. criminals, social engineering, and then I want to see your thoughts on, on, on sex trafficking. Absolutely. So cybercrime, for example, you have two kinds. You have financial cybercrime, and then you have people targeting your family. And the number of vulnerabilities that your computer has to, that are, or your whole home if you have a smart home, where people can hack into your tea kettle and unlock your door. Uh, you'll notice that people who love technology have these very, very internet-filled house, the Internet of Things. They've got everything is all, all integrated. You can check it from your phone from a thousand miles away. Most of the people who are really familiar with technology, they have a deadbolt <laughs> and a fax machine right. because they know how easy it is to exploit those. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so that vulnerability to hacks is an issue that we actually i'm not a very smart tech guy but we've got two interviews on the channel already from people who are way smarter about tech than than i am who give some very good basic ideas and also put out some resources uh the other one to be very careful of especially in the age of social media is social engineering the classic example of social engineering is when the bad guy calls your house and tells your kid that uh this is your mom's friend from work and she forgot her password, you know, the lock to the door. Can you tell me what it is? And then because your kid, they trick your kid into giving that to you. There's a situation recently where a teenager was called by a criminal who by telling him that his dad was in jail and that the feds were coming to his house to seize all their assets, tricked the kid into taking all of mom's jewelry and guns and putting them in a bag and then giving them to a total stranger at the door. And he was able to do that by plumbing that ch- teenager's social media accounts for all the names and all the pertinent information that he needed to sell this scam. Wow. Wow. So, and, and, and I've also seen, you know, where people will uh, have cameras in their house and they've mm-hmm. hacked into the cameras, even their yeah. intercom system, will talk mm. to them, scare them, and mm. they're getting those information. Where are they getting that information from? How do you protect yourself? It's really, really difficult. And it's a matter of everybody, for everybody to balance what, how do you want to actively participate in the technological world versus how do you keep yourself safe? Mm-hmm. And, but you can also pay attention to some very small things. For example, if you want to share a picture of your kid on the internet, which not everybody advises and not everybody wants to, make sure that you don't share that photo that has the name of their elementary school directly behind them. Right. Right. Of course. If you want to to do a Facebook live chat, make sure you're not standing in front of the family calendar so that a bad guy knows exactly when you're going to be at a wedding out of town. Right. 
those small attentions to detail. And that's, that's another of those through lines that I'm finding mm-hmm. through this whole thing where attention to some of the smaller details can make your life a lot safer and let you worry less about other things right. because you're just kind of maintaining that discipline with what you put out in the world. And then, of right. course, you think about things like what you do, where you and I both have podcasts. We're more public figures. So we have to be comfortable with more risk than somebody who's not in the public eye. Right, right. Yeah, and, and it's funny because you even see the evolution of how um, Facebook mm-hmm. is where, where people before were telling everybody every move they were making, mm-hmm. right? Now I'm doing this, and, and 10 minutes later, now I'm doing this, and we're away right now. Look at how great we are in Hawaii and all this mm-hmm. stuff. Now, you and, and people are like, well, no, that's not smart, right? Like, we shouldn't yeah. do that. And, and now it's like, okay, well, I'll post those pictures and that album and whatever after I come back home. Right. Like yes, that exactly. Makes more sense for sure. Um, okay. So I said I would get back to this issue. So mm. sex traffickers, you said they are very, spe- uh, sorry, sophisticated criminals. Mm. And I know everybody's ears perked up when you said it. So mm. What? Tell me more. So the bad news is that I'm conducting that interview with an expert who's been working in sex crimes for the last 10 years, Okay. two weeks from now. So my knowledge on this is not as robust as it could be. But one of, the big th- one of the bigger things is if you have, ask a military person, they'll use the term OPSEC, which is operational security, which is making sure that the people who don't need to know your personal business don't know your personal business. Uh, perfect example is the back of your minivan. Do you have those little stick figures? I personally don't, but. <laughs> okay, but the people who do, now yeah. they know how many kids and their approximate ages. If you have that proud of my honor roll kid at the school, now they know where to find a kid. If you have a sticker related to your to what you do for a living, if that implies that you're going to be out of town regularly, maybe you work in the oil, maybe you work, maybe you're active duty military or in the National Guard, mm-hmm. you're giving away huge amounts of information that a sex trafficker, child trafficker could use to find your child in a vulnerable area. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get a lot of those little the little baseball with your kid's name in it to show that your kid plays baseball. Boom. Mm-hmm. Uh, any sophisticated criminal who wanted to approach a child could get within grabbing range by calling them by their first name and engaging them around baseball. Okay. And so being, keeping that information about your kids closer in, because remember everything you put on the internet is available to everybody and it's available to forever. Right. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I want to say too, that uh, um, there is a couple of podcasts yeah. ago I had, uh, had a, a an awesome woman on um, and we talked about good pictures and bad pictures. So it's actually mm. porn proofing your kids. Um, and that is one way to keep your kids mm. safe too. Uh, even, even against sex traffickers and, and predators because they use pornography to um, groom children and, and then mm. that sort of thing too. So, um, so that's, mm. that's also something I just want to bring up because yeah. that's something I know. Right. Um, and, and I think that, you know what, um, We'll put the date that that's going to be um, published mm-hmm. on your page in my show notes. So oh, yes, please. Go there because, um, because I want people to be armed with as much information, but I also don't want people to be anxious mm-hmm. and afraid. Uh, and so we're, you have a, a really awesome gift for everybody that we're going to talk about at the end mm-hmm. of the show uh, to really help people take control of their safety. So what, mm-hmm. what areas are we the most vulnerable? 
So there's three places of a real vulnerability that I've been able to kind of find through this exploration so far. And we talked about the first already, which is cybercrime. Because most parents are not technically savvy enough to beat the professional cyber, cyber criminals. And not only that, but they have these little spies running around in our house because our kids speak technology as a native language. Yeah. Where we speak technology like we took a couple of elective classes in college, right? <laughs> yeah. And so the kids are better at us at technology than we are, and the bad guys are better at technology than we are. And the how deep that rabbit hole goes is one of the biggest vulnerabilities of every house. We've talked about that before um, earlier in this show, and we have a couple of episodes on my show, and it sounds like you've had a couple of guests as well. Yeah. But being as smart as possible, some of the there's some very good apps out right now that can help you monitor what's going on, having good conversations with your kids, using a, one of the rules that uh, came to my attention from one of my guests, Cat Code, was the no bathroom, no bedroom rule, which if you remember back in the 90s when there was a family computer, you were relatively safely because the kid could only do computing there in the middle of the living room. But if you set up the rule from your child's first phone that this is your phone, there are many like it, but this one's yours. You can use it in these ways, but you're not going to use it in the bathroom and you're not going to use it in your bedroom. Right. You'll check it in with us at the end of the night. And what, for the youngest kids, that's just keeps them from staying up all night playing Candy Crush or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if it it's... Opposite, yeah. Yeah. And is, as a part of the rule, as they become teens and then there's... It removes some of the temptation to get involved in conversations they shouldn't, to send photos they shouldn't. Right. Totally. I, I, I really agree with that. And I also agree that parents do not fully understand what's going on. And, and so mm-hmm. I'm going to use myself as an example mm-hmm. um, because I got an email from Lululemon <laughs> that has remained uh, unread in my inbox because I have no idea what to do with it um, <laughs> because it scared me. Um, and it says here, we're writing to let you know about unusual activity, activity related to your Lululemon account. We believe that an unauthorized third party outside of Lululemon obtained your login details, which is my email and my password, from a source unknown to Lululemon and used them to access your Lululemon account between these certain dates. Um, uh, And this can happen when you use the same password for multiple online services and one of those services is breached. Yikes. Okay. (laughs) Jason, help me. What do I do? (laughs) Oh, man. So there are better people to ask, but this is what I've learned that that could be a legitimate email from Lululemon and it could be somebody phishing you. There are a couple of things to look for really quick. And one of them is language. I can't tell if that email is just really badly written or if it is written by somebody who's for whom English is not their native language. A lot of the scams are not coming from America. They're not coming from England. They're coming from India, from Indonesia, from the Philippines. So if it's just full of spelling errors and weird tortured sentences, that's a big red flag. Yeah. The other thing you can look at is the actual email address it comes from. Mm. Uh, bring up, in this case, I would bring up the Lululemon website that you use to shop and yeah. then compare that URL to the URL in the email. Because often it'll be something like customer service from L-U-1-U-L-E-M-O-N.com. So sneaky, yeah. Right? Right. Something like that. And then if you have any reason to, if they are asking you directly to give them personal information via that email, via a link, that's a really bad sign. And then 
you can also just practice your own social engineering and call Lululemon and ask. Right. Communication so, that you direct to them, you control. Communication that comes to them, they control. Right. Well, and I'll just tell you um, that when I look at this, and I didn't think to look at mm -hmm. the email address, shame on me, um, it's email at whatwelove.lululemon.com. Um, yeah, that's, that's a bit of a red flag. Although, but then yeah. I, keep, I look further, they do have a, a 1877 number. They do have an address uh, in Vancouver, British Columbia, which is, happens to be where I live. And I do know that uh, Lemon's head office is here. Um, I also know someone that works for them as well. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely need to go and call and look into this. And uh, I mean, I, I, that's a lesson for me too. Like, don't, don't use that same password. And I don't even know what my password is. I have no idea. Shame on me. It does anymore. Yeah. No, it's really hard. Yeah. And, and then Google mm -hmm. gives you these, you know, long, uh, complicated passwords that there's like with capitals and small case, lowercase and numbers and, and all that stuff. It's, it's, it's mm. tough, right? I mean, it is, it is our modern problem, right? Our modern problem. Thank you for it that. Is. I think that's, I think Absolutely. that's a great example of, of something we mm. all have experienced. Um, and the language is a really good point too. I mean, we actually know for a fact that they will also use um, that language that is sort of broken English mm. because if they get someone to, uh, they get someone on the hook, they know that if they can look past that, that they know they've got somebody who's a good target, right? Yes. So, and we don't want to be those targets. So, no, notice that. Don't bad grammar is is not, is a huge red flag, right? One, um, one last point that uh, you mentioned in passing that phone number they provided. Yeah. It's not uncommon for them to give you the phone number of the scammer, and have somebody ready to say, "Thank you for calling Lululemon." So. When you get that email, if you think you need to call and ask, definitely check to see if the phone number in the email matches the phone number on the website. That's really cool. I, I do happen to know that, like when I look at the number, when I look at mm -hmm. after the 1877, the, the first three numbers mm -hmm. are actually uh, a legit Vancouver number. So it could either be really good or it could be really uh, legitimate. So um, I guess we'll have to stay tuned to see what happens in the Lululemon <laughs> saga that is uh, now in my life. Um, <laughs> Tune in next week for the exciting well, that's, that's right. For those of you who want to know, you'll just have to reach out and, and ask me. Um, okay, or maybe I'll be on your channel and we can have an update. Um, so what, what do we do in this day and age? And look, we are, today happens to be Friday, September 11th. And today is the day that six months ago today, the World Health Organization um, declared the coronavirus a pandemic. So six months to today, crazy. Um, and so what's happening is that, um, you know, we have fear and fear is an anxiety is here to protect us. It's a survival mechanism, right? And it's, it's, it's old conditioning from the, you know, from when we were cavemen. Uh, and women. And, um, and the thing is, is that we feel fear and anxiety over everyday life, right? But now there is really a predator out there trying to get us, right? So what do we do? And, and this is not a question just about the coronavirus. This is a question like if we are afraid, because there's other things. There's marches and protests right now. Um, what if they go by your front door? You know, we are in a heightened state of fear 
So what do we do about that? That's a really good question. And I think it's the question I've been trying to answer through all of this, um, even back when I started martial arts in my teens. But light is the antidote to darkness and knowledge is the antidote to fear. Right. And the first thing that we can do is find out everything we can about what we're afraid of. If you're concerned about the pandemic, find out about vectors. Call your friend who is a doctor. Call your friend who works in the CDC. Do your research. Vet the research. Because unfortunately, whenever something that's scary becomes public, you get a whole bunch of malarkey yeah. that's spread accidentally by friends who don't know how to vet things and also spread very much on purpose by people who will get money and power from that. But learn what you can about the situation, about whatever it is you're afraid of. And then the next stage is to create a plan. And I'm going to digress a little bit into something called the Cooper Color Codes, which is something from military awareness training. And it's a series of colors that are your state of mind and your state of awareness. And it begins with condition white, which is you're not paying attention to anything. You're You've just put the kids to bed and you're leaning back in your chair and you've got the headphones on and you're listening to some music or watching some Netflix and you're off duty. Yeah. Uh, I like to tell a story about, I learned about these at a seminar in Los Angeles where I was with a hundred police and special forces guys and the department of justice guys doing some training and combatives. I was this little martial artist in the middle of a hundred of the most dangerous good guys in the world. Right. I was off duty. Right. I was not responsible for anything but my own safety. I was in condition white in a way that I, as a parent, you rarely are. Right. And then you move into condition yellow. And condition yellow is what they call a relaxed state of awareness. And the best thing that most people can think of is when you're driving. As an adult, you've been driving for 20, 30 years. You're not trying to figure out how the gear shift works. You're not tense, but you're just kind of aware. And you just you're noticing what that car over there is doing. You're mm-hmm. paying attention. You you see when the cops behind you, whether or not they blow the whistle <laughs> or not. And you just kind of you're relaxed, but you're more aware than you are when you're sitting at home watching TV. And then from condition yellow, you go into condition orange, where you see something that might be a problem, and you begin to develop a plan for if that thing becomes a problem. Say again, you're driving, and there's somebody a couple up there in the lane and he's just kind of swerving a little more than you think is safe and you notice it. It's not a problem yet, but you're aware of it and you begin to develop a plan for it. And then condition red is when you have to execute that plan. Mm. And then beyond that is a condition black, which means that you're um, physically or mentally unable to protect yourself and just what you want to avoid at all costs. But the right. point being that when you become You're in situation, you're in condition white where you're unaware of this risk, whether it's a civil unrest, whether it's crime, whether it's the things in your house that might start a fire, whether it's a pandemic. But then you enter into condition yellow, and what happens is that you can either know enough about the risk to enter into condition orange and develop a plan, or not know enough about the risk so you can just see that it's maybe dangerous and then have no idea what to do. Right. And when you don't know what to do, that's when you're afraid. But mm-hmm. when you have a plan, it becomes something you had mentioned earlier that you've, you're beginning to your own martial arts journey. And you already feel more confident because, oh, some guy grabs me, pushes me up against the wall. I'm, well, I'm going to do this and this and this. You've developed your plan for that situation. Right. And so learning about things and developing plans for dealing with things are the best antidote to fear 
right. for the adults. Right. I, I agree. And I also think that when it comes to parents being afraid of whatever they're afraid of, we love what you're saying. We also want to be the subject matter expert for our kids mm -hmm. so that we can be the ones that our kids come to for, for information. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and also, um, our fear, our anxiety is contagious to our kids 100%. So if yes. we're and scared, our kids are anxious and scared mm -hmm. because we are supposed to be the figures of stability and yeah. in control, uh, people mm -hmm. that the, the, the big people in their lives, right. Who are supposed to set us, mm -hmm. uh, our safety. So, um, so, so also, you know, checking in with your kids too and say like, what do you think about this? What do you know mm -hmm. about this? And then having them, you know, answer what they, what kids are talking about, you know, depending, depending on how old your kids are, but what are the kids talking about related to this situation? Maybe it's Black Lives Matter. Maybe it's the coronavirus. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's, you know, the election in the States. There's lots of big topics out there that, you know, people talk about on a regular basis. And so that can be like broken telephone where we get the wrong messages. So managing the messages that your kids are getting. Be the subject matter expert as much as possible. And again, it's worth it because you're already uncomfortable. So let's channel that into, into knowledge. And, and you're right. You know, even looking up things um, on, um, the, on screen time and the damages of, of gaming and screen time and stuff like that. Some of those studies are funded by the, you know, the companies themselves. So you don't always get the best information. But looking to people like you who are vetting those people, you know, we've got to know the places to go. And so I think it's really helpful to have somebody like you who is curating really quality content so that we can get the right information. Because that's what we're all looking for. I don't want to spend hours and hours and hours on the internet looking up something. I want to just go to one person and say, okay, I can trust that Jason Brick knows the answer. And if he doesn't, you've got experts on that too. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, my great grandfather had a thing that he would say sometimes about, I don't know, but by tomorrow we'll both know. Oh, I like that. And that's, you know, I try to, that's part of my own parenting philosophy. But I wanted to add to that also the importance of including your kids in the plan and in practicing that plan. I think a lot of parents are afraid that, well, if I teach my four year old a fire drill, he's going to be all scared about a fire and I don't want to traumatize my child. Or if I develop a plan with my kids for if we're walking to the car and somebody approaches us and maybe they're trying to mug me or something, that planning that will make your kid aware of the danger and make your child afraid. The thing is that most of the time, by the time they're old enough to participate, just understand the mechanics of the plan, they've already thought about that thing mm -hmm. and are already afraid of it. Right. And by seeing you having a plan and respecting them enough to give them a specific role in that plan yeah. and then practicing that plan, right. they see you being, maybe being afraid, maybe not being afraid, but doing something concrete and intelligent about what you're afraid of. So they're less afraid. And also you're practicing this thing so that if you, for example, have a code word in our family for a very long time, it was, hey, is that Aunt Lorna? And we'd point. At the time, Aunt Lorna lived in Japan. It would never be Aunt Lorna, <laughs> right? But I'm giving the code word and pointing in the direction that I see some danger coming from. Right. And so if your kids, if you have that kind of code word and you practice that a few times and you send your kid know that while you were doing that, you're hitting the, 
key fob and their job is to pile in the car as quickly as possible. And so, you know, they're in the car and then say something to indicate that they're in the car and then you're in the car too. And you have that plan. And it, it doesn't traumatize kids to plan like that. In fact, it makes them feel more empowered and less afraid because they have the tools. Just like your karate lessons, you're not more afraid of being mugged now because you've thought deeply about what you would do if you were being mugged. Right, totally. And I think, too, as parents, we have to be careful the way we relay the information because if mm-hmm. we're in a state of fear and we're saying, okay, you guys, like, um, we're just doing this to keep you really safe and I'm scared, you mm-hmm. know, so that's why we're doing this, whatever. You say, no, we are doing this to keep you safe. This yeah. is what, you know, this is what I have decided or dad and I or mom and I or whatever have decided we're going to do as a family to keep us all safe. You need to show that you are the strong, in charge, all knowing mm-hmm. parent, mm-hmm. right? And not show them that you're scared. And if that means you have to take a moment, take a deep breath, center yourself before you go into that conversation, that's what you do. You just need to model that security so that your kids feel safe. Because when our kids don't feel safe, they'll show it in their behavior. And that can sometimes be in really unloving ways. So just from a parent coach, uh, yeah. perspective like that's also really really important right because we set the tone for our family and and we want to set a tone of, of safety and security for our kids right um, absolutely true the, the only yeah. thing i might add to that is that once your kids reach a certain age it is absolutely appropriate and even important to say oh, no i'm really scared about this right this is what i'm doing because i'm afraid right Right. And it doesn't I'm just not, end with, ah, but it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not sitting in a ball rocking yeah. myself in the corner. I'm actually actively like, look, I am worried about this. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And I think it's important to call out our, our emotions and feelings too. So thank you for that addition. I really like that. That's great. Okay. What are some couple of tips that you can leave our listeners with that you either, that you've learned from your guests or that you just want to share with everybody? What do we need to do? What are your thoughts? Oh, wow. So one of my favorite things about this was the just this list of techniques and tips and ideas that I got from these experts who are professionals. And let me see if I wrote down a few of them here. There's my list. Uh, Some real simple ones, like the importance of having a plan and having just one or two plans that everything goes into. For example, you have a fire plan. For most families, if there was a home invasion, your plan should be the same thing as the fire plan. Everybody get out of the house as quickly as possible and meet somewhere secure. Right. right? Um, if you're a family that is more into defense and all of that, then you would have a different plan about the family goes to a certain room and you do whatever you know, is morally justified for your family, whatever that is for your family. Right. Uh, one of the interesting points about that was something I recently read that in most cases, if you're going to stay in the home when a bad guy comes in, the, they set the rally point in the master bedroom, right? Which, where the parents are. But apparently we shouldn't do that. It should be in the bedroom of the least mobile member of the family. Oh, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Right? Yeah. That was one of those duh moments. Duh. Yeah. 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 yeah right. What if uh, it's your mom and No, I'm just kidding. We're getting old. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Uh, another one that was really interesting was we know about the danger of burning babies in the tub. Right. But apparently that's not the most common way kids suffer from hot water burns. It's your tea. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. And that was from a, an amazing interview with Justin Shore, who's the guy in charge of paramedics at San Francisco International, who was kind enough to come on the show. 
and talk to us about the uh, childhood injuries he saw most often and what we can do to stop it. Wow. And you could just see him white knuckling through some of them, but it's just like so how- preventable. <laughs> so preventable. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So like having a lid on your tea, is that what you yeah. Yeah. Having a lid on your tea or because for us, tea is this warm, comforting thing. And our kids want to imitate us. So the number of calls that he responded to where the mom took a sip from the tea and then set the tea down on the table close enough for a toddler to reach. And then the kids got second degree burns on their mouth and, and face. So that was another big surprise. Another one was that Mylar blankets are magical and we should have one all the time. Uh, those little, those $3 Mylar emergency blankets. Yeah, silvery ones. Yeah. Everything from staying warm in the cold to carrying water to signaling for help to helping you survive a forest fire. They are, I don't know if you're a fan of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, but it's your towel, you hoopy fruits, and you should always know where yours is. (laughs) And the list goes on and on and on. Something is another one. And yeah, I could go for days on this, but I'll leave with this last one, which is... That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah, right? That... Any pathways in your house that go by a window mm-hmm. should be gravel. Oh, that because it's sense. impossible to walk quietly on gravel. It sure is. I can even hear like my neighbor is walking like a couple houses down on their gravel. So yeah, that's very true. Yeah, it's yeah. So and it just every episode I found you know so they gave us three or four little nuggets of somebody who does this professionally, who has been thinking about this in a technical professional way for years and years and years, they're bringing those little tidbits of information to us. And it's been just really exciting. And I feel very privileged to have gotten the chance to speak to these people. Well, that is amazing. I just want to say thank you so much for keeping our family safe. And everything that you've said has been so great. And just to add to this, like the, the cherry on top is <laughs> gift for everybody and um it is the the family safety blueprint please tell me what this is all about i love the idea of it well thank you so much and i i just hope to be helpful yeah and the the safe home blueprint is a 24 page booklet where you literally get a floor plan of your home from the county recorder's office or if you live in an apartment you go down to the sales office and get the little floor plan that they sold you on Right, or right. you find it, or you can find it if you still have a copy of your home's appraisal from your last refinance or from when you bought the house. You get a copy of that, you photocopy a few, and then you paste it into the book. And using a map key on the side, you mark the various things that are important to your family's safety and your home security on that floor plan like a map. So when you finish, you'll have a drawing of, well, where are your privacy fences and where are your where are the walls? Where are the places in your front yard where a criminal can hide? What's covered by cameras? What's well illuminated and what's not? And then inside, where's your fire extinguisher? Where's your first aid kit? If you're the kind of family that has a supply cache, where is that located? Where's the fire ladder for your second floor bedroom? And so by the time you've gone through the whole thing, including identifying injury hotspots, places that might, like a stair that needs repairing or uh, an electrical outlet that's knees replacing, things like that. By the end, you've got a full description of how secure your house is and also a robust to-do list of simple (laughs) things that you can do to make your house more safe. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's phenomenal. Um, You've already listed a few things that I know that I need to go out and get. So um, I like to add that to the honey-do list, which would be for my sweet husband. Yeah, me too. 
<laughs> me too. And it's, I compiled this with the assistance of several of our guests, um, a professional architect, a guy who is in charge of a SWAT team. Uh, this guy led a thousand SWAT entries, so he knows how to keep somebody from kicking in your door. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> uh, oh, um, had a guy who worked with some special forces teams for a while involved in creating this book. Uh, that, that same paramedic captain was involved as well as a firefighter that I know. And so we got some real expertise involved in creating this book. And you're giving it away for free. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. It's a free PDF for anybody who needs it. And if you would let, and, but if you don't want to go bother printing it out yourself, um, I'll send you the uh, print version for just, you know, 10 bucks in shipping. That's phenomenal. Okay. So we're going to put all of that information here, how people are going to get to see the videos that you've got this whole, the safest family on the block. This is so great. Thank you for keeping us safe. Thank you for your time today and for sharing your wisdom and experiences and knowledge with everybody. It's invaluable what you have just shared. It really truly is. Thank you so much, Jason. Well, thank you. I'm just, I'm really excited and I'm very humbled by the expertise of the people who have come onto my show. And thank you so much for having me on today. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and connection.